today we're going to look at the back parts of God. Amen? Strange title. It comes from Exodus chapter 33, verses 13 through 23. Once again, Exodus chapter 33, verses 13 through 23. And it reads, Now therefore I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way, that I may know thee, that I may find grace in thy sight. And consider that this nation is thy people. And he said, My presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. And he said unto him, If thy presence go not with me, carry us, up not, uh, carry us not up hence. For wherein shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? Is it not in that thou goest with us? So shall we be separated, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. And the Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken. For thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know thee by name. And he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee, and will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. And he said, Thou canst not see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me, and thou shalt stand upon a rock, and it shall come to pass, while my glory passeth by, that I will put thee in a cleft of the rock, and will cover thee with my hand while I pass by. And I will take away mine hand, and, shall, and thou shalt see my back parts, but my face shall not be seen. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, in the precious name of Jesus, we praise and thank you, Father, once again for the opportunity to partake of your word. And we ask you right now, Father, to speak into our hearts and our minds, Lord. Continue to cultivate uh, our walk with you, Lord. Sharpen, hone, and refine our intellect, our spiritual gifts, our perceptions, our capacity to serve you. And we just thank you right now, Father, as we would study to show ourselves approved, Father, that we would be workmen that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, able to go out and meditate upon it and apply it in everyday life. And we just give you the praise, the honor, and glory, Father, for these things. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right, talking about the back parts of God. And as we're reading this story, we see that there's a, a dialogue between God and his faithful servant Moses. And in, in the midst of this, um, he's found worthy in the sight of God to make certain requests, and God honors that. But we also see that even within that, quite frankly, man, even in the greatest relationship with God, he can only go to a certain point. And God is so glorious, so full of wonder and splendor, amen, so immeasurable and beyond our capability to reason that there's e even then there's a, a only a certain glimpse of that that we can get of God. So as we look at this passage of scripture, there are certain principles that God um, placed upon my heart that we're going to look at today. And the first one is that when you find God's grace, he honors your requests. Amen. When you find God's grace, he honors your requests. Now, here's the thing. We know that as we walk around on a daily basis with the Lord, that there is a certain level of divine favor and grace that is upon us all the time. But as I was looking at this passage of Scripture, I looked at the word found, and in the underlying Hebrew, it means to attain, to acquire, or to meet. And what it really spoke to me is that although each one of us have grace upon us, quite frankly, even an unsaved man has a certain level of grace, which is the grace that you woke up this morning and you have another opportunity to confess the King of Kings and Lord of Lords as your personal Lord and Savior. That is grace right there. Amen. 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 And then it's by great God's grace that we, we are saved and not eternally damned, condemned found guilty of the very things that we actually should be punished for. There's a cer certain measure of grace that comes upon us as children of God on a daily basis. 
But even though we have the grace of God upon us all the time, one of the things you have to understand that if there's certain things that you desire of God, certain insight, certain blessings, certain things to be fulfilled, those things don't necessarily fall upon all people. Amen? In other words, God's not just going to be your heavenly sugar daddy and just throw blessings upon you all the time. You know, he's not going to bless you with this to keep you captive <laughs> in the community of God. He's not going to throw you everything and every tidbit and every idea and just be basically a parent spoiling his child, just throw you all sorts of things. Sometimes you got to pursue and hunger and, and sacrifice and deny yourself and be diligent to, as we see here, find special graces of God in response to your requests. And that's why even though God's grace was upon Moses all, all time, it was even upon the nation, when Moses made that request of God that he wanted him to do something, God took a moment to consider it. Amen. Might have been only a, a, a nanosecond or a trillionth of a nanosecond, as quick as God thinks, but God had a moment. Hmm, okay. And he responded to him. He says, because you have found grace. In other words, Moses, because you have lived and abided by me, obeyed my commands, even despite your mistakes, for the most part you have a heart that is in alignment with my will for your life, as well as the destiny that I have for you. Because you have done all these things, you have traversed through all the trials and tribulations, all the times of uncertainty, and you have arrived at the place of my grace being extended to you for this specific request. And therefore, the answer is yes. Amen? We got to ask ourselves, there's times when we want God's grace. God will give you the grace to wake up every morning of your life. He'll give you the grace that these eyeballs are still working and those ears are still taking in things, some things that you need to hear, some things you need to mind your business. But those things will work regardless of that. <laughs> eyes too, your eyes will work to see all sorts of things and all sorts of things you shouldn't be seeing. But God gives you the grace and the will to make the decision. But I can't go to God necessarily and say, God, give me $20 million today. And God says, why? why? And I say, because I want it. God's going to say, no, because I'm going to measure what you need that money for with my will for your life, the purposes as it relates to the kingdom of God, and most of all, seeing where your heart, mind, and attitude is as a result of me honoring your quest. What are you going to do if I say yes to your request? Amen? I said it before, you know, we had somebody went and, you know, prayed on behalf of her, getting this, you know, hair salon and stuff like that. And, oh, I'm going to dedicate this to the Lord and have gospel music. And we're going to do this and that. As soon as business opened up, where's she at? Miss Wednesday night, Miss Sunday. Well, man, it's one week, you know, things happen. Starting up the business, you know, sometimes you got to put a little extra time in. You exhaust it. Week two, nowhere to be found. Week three. Long story short, business collapse. You can't be just throwing stuff out to God. If you give me this, I'll dedicate this to you, and then when you get this, I forget you, God. Amen? Amen. And that's why God will look at us when we come to him and say, God, give me grace in this area, or Lord, let me do this. God, give me insight about that. God will be like, well, where are you at right now? What have you done with the stuff that I honored before? You promised me that if I do this, you're going to dedicate this to something else. If I answer yes to that, maybe you'll give a portion of this or that to something else. Maybe it's a time commitment. God, if you honor my prayer, I'll be more diligent about doing daily devotions or fasting and praying or serving my community. Those are the sort of things that we have to deal with as we're seeking God and asking for his grace. And once again, you're going to get grace, <laughs> but what kind of grace do you want? Do you need another level of merited grace for something else that you see as pivotal, and is God going to honor that? One of the scriptures that he gave me in relation to that is Isaiah 55, verses 6 through 9. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto God. And he will have mercy upon him 
and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are my ways your ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher, or my thoughts than your thoughts. Now think about this. Why in the world say, seek ye the Lord while he may be found? Head scratcher. Because my God, according to the word, <laughs> is omnipresent. He's everywhere. You know, he might be outside of this five senses physical realm that we inhabit that's bounded by time and space and matter, but the fact is God is present everywhere. So why in the world would God said, seek me while I may be fine, while I may be found? The God who basically compasses the entire universe and everything beyond it somehow tells us here seek me while I may be found in other words there's times that you'll seek me outside of a certain window of opportunity that if you don't have yourself properly positioned your mind ain't right your attitude's not right your heart your motives you're dealing with your sins and your strongholds how you interact and treat with other people, there's times where you're going to say, God, give me your grace, and God's going to say, you can't find me right now. The window of opportunity is closed. I'm hiding myself. Wow. That blows my mind. The God that is everywhere says, there's a, a certain amount of time we play hide-and-go-seek as it relates to your request. There's a certain amount of time, the time when that door's open, if you don't get to this place by that time, it's like you go to your doctor's office. The doctor says, I'm open from 9 to 5 today. You get there 515. Like, come on, doctor, let me in. Closed. Come on, doc. See you tomorrow. <laughs> There's times where you miss that opportunity and the window is closed and the door is shut. <laughs> Pam and I are watching this. Uh, show uh, Star Trek The Next Generation and they got caught into this, um, this big sphere and they were, they were trapped and then Jordy and, this, and, and actually Scotty they were on the outside of the sphere and they were able to use the computer systems and wedge this door open so that the, the ship could fly through but they only had a matter of time and it was coming down to the wire the door was closing all of a sudden they tilted the thing sideways and flew it through if they miss it by a couple seconds, they would have crashed and blown the ship up. See, sometimes there's only a, a small amount of time for you to be able to get through that portal, that door, or that window. Other times, you're waiting for something to come through that window to fall upon your life. And as we see here, God is clearly saying, yes, I am everywhere. That is true. I'm omnipresent. I'm omniscient. I'm all-knowing. But if you want to get this request honored, realize that it's not just conducive of me pouring out my grace. Sometimes you got to position yourself to get the very grace that you seek. And unfortunately, a lot of people don't even get that consideration. Once again, God's is, you know, all-powerful, sugar daddy in the sky, just bless me, bless me, bless me. Well, what are you doing to be blessed? And no, we're not serving a God where we're doing, we're building shrines and, and altars and I'm dedicating three goats and five sheep in order to get this blessing. Thank God we don't have to do that anymore. Amen. But there is the sacrifice of our praise. And the book of Romans talks about us obe obeying God, which is our what? Reasonable service and an act of adoration and worship and dedication to the Lord. So there might be something that you're praying for in this time and season, and you're like, Lord, I think everything's okay. Why aren't you answering this prayer? And God might be saying, like, hey, the opportunity is there, but have you properly positioned yourself to come into alignment? In other words, there's a divine intersection between what you desire of God and you're timing and hitting a certain point at the right place of time. I remember a lot of times we used to do mathematical formulas. And we would have to calculate, you know, the intersection points on lines. And you can calculate and you can calculate to your heart's delight. But if you don't get that point where those things meet, amen, correct, 
You can fail that test. <laughs> Same thing with us. There's certain things that God may want us to do in a certain time and season to align ourselves so that his desires and his purpose, as well as our hearts align themselves with God, have to intersect at a certain point in time and at a certain place, not only in terms of physical positioning, but also in terms of where we are in terms of our minds and our hearts and our attitudes. Amen? We want to get that divine intersection. I talked before about we measure temporal time as, as chron chronos or chronos in the Greek, chronological time. But there's also idios kairos. When the word of God talks about don't be weary and well-doing, but in due season, that phrase due season me is in the Greek is idios kairos. Kairos is God's appointed time, a moment in destiny and opportunity. Idios is one's own. You have a personally appointed God time where he has set appointment for you to be properly positioned, mind, body, and spirit. And if you're in place, and you, if you're placed like that in that proper time, bam, the, God, the blessings of God will flow. Amen? Amen? But if you don't find him in that time, don't fault God because he says, sorry, either the window's closed or I have to deny you this request. We got a job to do. <laughs> Amen. So our, our, our thoughts, that's one of the things it says here. Let the wicked forsake his way. See, this is the formula. God's saying that, <clears throat> seek me while I may be found. Call upon me while I am near. He might distance himself, in other words, from your desires. Amen. And here's the formula how to make sure you're properly positioned. Let the wicked forsake his way. Now, I'm not saying you're an unrighteous heathen that does not know Jesus or, you know, atheist denying the existence of God. But wicked is basically not only those who are heathens that are contrary to God and their lifestyle, but if you're following wicked motives as a Christian. Amen. He tells us here, if you want to get yourself properly positioned, forsake your wicked ways. And matter of fact, it goes further, not just in terms of your actions, but it says, let the unrighteous man basically clear himself of his ungodly thoughts. So we have to do much more than just a physical positioning. We have, to we have to understand and be honest with ourselves and go before God and say, is there anything within me internally, not just in my outward actions that people can see, but is there something in my inner man, my inner heart, that hidden place in my mind or my heart? Is there something in there that prevents me from meeting the divine appointment with God? Amen. And if it is, Lord, reveal it to me so that I can repent and, as we see here, forsake that way so I can get back into proper positioning. Amen. That means you might have to let certain things go. You might have to deny certain things. You might have to straight out pronounce certain things as sin in your life. And be honest to God and say, I need you to help me in this. Because I don't want to miss that next window of opportunity. You never know. How long is that window open? How long is that door open? And if it shuts, is it going to be a couple weeks until it opens again? Will it be a couple months? Will it be two years? Or will it be never? We need to try not to avoid the closing of those windows of opportunity. Amen. And we might say, well, I don't see why I have to do this, but as we see here, God answers that. My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways. You got to once again get your mind recalibrated so that you can see things from the perception of God. You may not think it's hindering you from pursuing and achieving your goals in God, while the whole time God is saying, you can't realize the anchor that's around your neck. Amen? You got to let that thing go. And you're not even at the place to even, God bless you, you're not even at the place to evaluate yourself. That's why you got to come to me and say, let me diagnose you and tell you what is errant, what needs to be addressed. All right, so we looked at finding God's grace and how he honors our requests. Then another thing we see about this in this passage is that God reveals himself according to how greatly he knows your name. That came from... <laughs> Verse 17, the Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken, for thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know thee by name. Once again, it begs the question, wait a minute. God knows everybody. 
You know, book of Jeremiah 1 5, I knew thee before thee were, thou were formed in the womb. He knew us from the point of us being a fertilized egg. I truly believe God knows us at that point. Matter of fact, he probably knows us before the spark of life hit that egg and fertilized it. So God knows us. So if God knows each one of us, why does he have to remark to Moses, well, I'm going to honor request because I know you by your name. Amen? Well, here's the answer. <laughs> the answer is, my friends, that the word name there refers to character, level of honor, and authority. Amen? God is basically saying, it's not a matter of me just knowing your name is Moshe, which is what it was in the Hebrew. Amen? Yeah, I know you're Moshe. I know you're the baby that got thrown out in the water. She got drowned. Hey, I'm the one that directed the basket. So you'd be picked up and eventually go into Pharaoh's house. I know all that. I know you. More do you know yourself. Matter of fact, I'm the person that knew you to the point where you said you couldn't go back to Egypt and try to tell me you got a problem with your mouth. I know your mouth because I made your mouth. So I know you by name. But what God is saying here, I'm going to honor request because I know you by character. When I told you to do this, you obeyed me. Even in the time when we went back and forth, like I said, and my, and my anger got kindled at you. You went back and forth. I finally got mad. You said, okay, I got it. <laughs> and you did what I said. But he says, I know you, Moses. And because I know you and how you will respond and how you will continue to live after I honor your request, because I know your character, your level of honor, your not only submission to authority, but to your ability to walk as a man of authority, because of this, I'm going to honor your request. Amen? Does God know us by name? <laughs> Look at Jacob, when he dealt with him, once again, what is your name? Jacob probably like, Seriously? <laughs> the all-knowing God? He <laughs> said, well, what's your name? I am Jacob. I am scoundrel, con artist, conniver. That's what his name meant. Heel catcher. Amen? And God said, okay, because you wrest wrestled me, I'm going to take away that scoundrel name, and now I'm going to give you Israel, a new name, because you will prevail. See, there's something associated with your name, but there's also, even more so, something associated with your character. Can God trust you to give, him, to give you blessings? Once again, if I bless you with this after you said, God, oh, Lord Jesus, I really want this job. You give it to me, Lord. I'm going to step it up in terms of this and that. God gives you a job, and then God don't see you for 12 weeks. Then you come to God. Oh, God, at this job that you gave me that I reneged on my promise. And <laughs> yeah, I, know, I know I promised you a couple of things. I'm really going to get it right this time, God. If you give me that promotion at this job that you promised me that I reneged on, you give me the promotion here, God, then I really will. I, I, I know I don't have a good reputation, Lord, but I really will do what I said this time. If you give me this promotion, I'm going to do this, Lord. And God says, I know your name. <laughs> I know your character. I know your reputation. Matter of fact, I might know that at this level of your job, I put you in charge of this. I allowed you to get put in charge of this project and you became the terminator and you know Ivan the terrible and started torturing all your co-workers now you're asking me for a, pro a promotion where you're now elevated not just for one project but every day in this office you are now elevated and you go around calling yourself a Christian and I'm supposed to elevate I'm supposed to be behind blessing your request to get that promotion seriously sometimes God's probably like seriously like you even gonna come to me with that seriously <laughs> The way you act, seriously. <laughs> There's times when people just ask you a question and you're like, seriously? <laughs> it's like so absurd, in other words. They're like, you got the nerve. You almost have to admire the boldness they have to even make the request because it's so, <laughs> yes, ridiculous. <laughs> but God will look at people. He knows everybody intimately, but yes, he still says that I, I have to know your character. And see, I know your character not just on your profession. Everybody talks a good game. I am the righteousness of Christ. And God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. And I praise you, Lord, every day. But God knows when those rough moments when you do this inappropriate and do this out of character. And you're mean-spirited here. And you're covetous there. And you're, you're jealous here. God knows the real character. 
So before God is going to grace you with something new and pivotal and life-altering, we have to present ourselves in a way in which we demonstrate that we're going to continue to walk according to the character. And here's the thing. It's not the character of Brian Fox or Pamela Fox or Mr. Mark or Tony. Or, no, I want to see if you're walking according to the character of God as your life continues to get transformed. That's why he called Moses a friend. God's very aware of the company he keeps. See, sometimes we got some friends like, boy, I need to... I, quite frankly, I don't have a lot of friends. I, I really don't. <laughs> I don't have a lot of friends. I really don't. <laughs> I have a ton of associates, but I don't have a lot of friends. <laughs> you know? And I'm not one to quickly even give a referral for a job because I have enough understanding of name and reputation that I'm not going to put my name on you for you to go act up because now you've desecrated my name and my reputation. Like, you referred him, so what's wrong with you? Amen? And see, God is even greater at that. Amen? I can always say I'll give her recommendation based upon what I know. God truly knows you inside and out. So here God's saying, like, oh, well, you know, I know you by your name, Moses, so I'm going to bless her request, but how many times do we come to God and says, yes, I know you by your name and uh, not ready yet? Or flat out, no. Or go back and do some soul searching and get your heart right, and then maybe I will consider it. Or quite frankly, once again, I can't do it. Genesis 18, 17 through 19. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him? For I know him that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he hath spoken, upon, spoken of him. Amen? We see it again. Lord, shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I, which I do? But one of the things we see in verse 19 says, For I know him. goes back to knowing and as God's pondering, hmm, what should I do here? He said, you know what? I'm making an evaluation. I'm examining the life, the heart, the ups and downs, pros and cons of Abraham. And he said, I've come to a decision. I know him that he will command his household, his children, his household after him, that even if I bless him based upon this covenant that I'm envisioning, he says, I've evaluated him, and I've found him worthy to get it and not to turn away from me as a result of me pouring out his blessing upon him. And he says, not only this, not only do I know that Abraham's going to continue to serve me to the best of his capabilities, and he's going to be a man of faith and character, but he's not going to do it. He's going to be forcing, if necessary, his family to do the same thing. That's a whole other animal. Amen? It's one thing to say, I'm committing myself to serve you, Lord, faithfully as a part of my relationship with you and in thankfulness and appreciation for the blessings you gave me. It's quite another thing to say, not only will I serve you, Lord, but everybody that's under my authority, they're going to save, serve you too or else. Ain't taking no prisoners. Ain't apologizing. Don't have to like me. Everybody in my house is going to do this because we're going to all show that we're um, good servants to the Lord. And he said, if I got to whip a few tails, I got to grab a few people by the ears, everybody in my household is going to serve God faithfully. Amen. That's how thankful I am for what God has done for me. You know, that's um, really one thing over the years that we've had people stay with us for, but one of the things we always said is like, you're going to stay here? First of all, I ain't going to be no cursing, conniving, drinking, it, drunkenness, come up here no 3 o'clock in the morning, all half passing out, ain't going to be cursing, ain't going to be all, you know, bringing chaos here, you keep your spirits outside the door, and if you keep coming here, got to purge your spirit out the door too much, you still might be out because you shouldn't be bringing them here in the first place, <laughs> you know, it's like, there's a certain standard, and you got to go to church every week, like, we commanded everybody, you're going to stay here. These are requirements. You don't, if you don't like these requirements, and we would let them know in advance, you don't like these requirements, that's fine. It ain't for you. 
That's cool. But you ain't staying here. So once you come here, you're going to yield yourself to the authority of the Fox household, whether you like it or not. And there's been times, you know, we have, you know, fellowships and food. Like one of the things we're going to do, you got a house of Thanksgiving. We're going to grab hands. We're going to go around the table and thank God for the blessings he's given us. We're going to grab hands and we're going to pray. You know, you could be an atheist. You best, you best have something to thank God for. <laughs> and you best grab hands and pray. Now, hey, I can't make you pray. But you're going to show respect. You could have your eyes wide open. You stupid, religious, superstitious foot. Well, you're going to grab hands, and you're going to link in, and you ain't going to say nothing negative, because if you do, you're going to hit the door. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Sometimes that's what it takes to get the blessings of God. And here we see, um, God says, shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? You realize that based upon your level of commitment, diligence, character, that God may expose certain secrets and, mystery, and, and mysteries to you, or he may be like, nah. Sorry, this is classified. This one's classified. This one's top secret. Oh yeah, I know you're a believer. Yeah, I know you profess me. But um, your clearance, you're not the right security clearance level. So you could continue to walk with me. Yeah, you'll get a certain amount of favor. My blessings will be on your life. You're going to have health and peace. But there's certain things, like, I'm going to tell you know, Brother Kelly here. He's like, yo, man, you got a secret. And somebody else be like, well, I'm a, I'm a believer too. Well, what about me? What are y'all talking about? Nothing. I got to tell you this other part, too. What was that? What, what was what? <laughs> now, God's not going to lie. I'm, being, I'm exaggerating, but there will be certain secrets that God's going to give to certain people in the body because of their, once again, that seeking, that diligence, like seeking me while I may be found. I'm going to tell you certain secrets that I'm not going to tell other people. So he evaluated Abraham. He said, shall I hide from him this thing I'm about to do? I already know what I'm about to do. I'm going to do it. And here's the thing. When it happens, is Abraham going to find out like everybody else? <gasps> Look what God did. Or is Abraham going to be like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, we already talked about that. He told me to prepare myself for this, do that, um, move my children here, um, pray this, oh, grab a couple neighbors. It's a difference between God tells you up front because of your level of trust and your commitment to him, or God says, nah, sorry. <laughs> Sorry, I, I, I can't tell. Don't get mad at me. It's your fault <laughs> if I can't tell you my secrets and mysteries. That word hide means to conceal or to cover for secrecy in the Hebrew. So once again, God has mysteries that he only reveals to those who diligently seek and serve him. And once again, whose character remains unquestioned despite trials and tribulations as well as various temptations they've encountered. And yes, I understand everybody have a bad day here and there. Amen? So it's not a case like, oh my God, I got angry at work and I, I yelled at somebody last week. Oh, does that mean God's never going to tell me his mysteries? I, oh, I can't believe No, we're, we're talking about a lifestyle here. Your overall character, your overall commitment and diligence. God knows we have our bad moments. Amen? Matter of fact, if you're seeking him diligent, he probably already showed you you had the, the bad moment. So you repent, so you'll still be positioned to get the secrets and mysteries of God. Amen? <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> All righty. Um, next thing we'll look at is that... As much as God can reveal things to us, even when we ask, he can only give us a glimpse or a taste of his glory. We just can't handle his full glory. We just cannot. I mean, it just, just blows the mind. I'm just... Um, <sighs> Just reading this 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 paper and and just just talk about the, the 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 depths of what God has created and His glory. You think about all the things that are here on Earth and the the mysteries under the sea that we have yet to reveal. You look at across space and all these these galaxies stuff, and it, it just blows your mind that all this splendor is out there, 
and like we could think we could possibly understand and grasp and receive and see the full glory of God when out of all the, the, the vastness of the universe, he's even bigger than that. So how can we, how can a, a mortal, <laughs> pretty much, we're less than a speck. <laughs> how can we get the full glory of God? So he can only give us a glimpse. And we see that in the word, amen? Isaiah 6, 1 through 5, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me! For I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Wow, what a picture Isaiah had of the glory of the Lord. It just even, (laughs) sometimes about the, the terror of the Lord. It's like he's so glorious that you love him and he loves you, but there's still a level of terror at the fact that a human being, even being exposed to the, the, the most minor aspects of what surrounds God, the seraphims themselves, six wings. and they're, they're, God is so glorious, they're covering themselves up. <laughs> and we see the thing that, that Isaiah says, Woe of me, I am undone. That word undone means to be rendered dumb or silent. And then here's the one that really gets you to be destroyed. He's basically like the glory of God is so much. It's like you're destroying me. I can't take It's literally destroying me. It's beyond comprehension. It's making me a madman. It's, my eyes are, <laughs> are, are watering. It's like I feel like I'm blinded. And the, the glory of the Lord is so strong. Like my body cannot contain the, even the, the aspects I'm feeling. You're destroying me, Lord. Your glory is too great. And he gave him still an audience and he spoke with them but it shows you how great the glory of the lord is amen how wonderful and majestic and quite frankly human languages could not describe the indescribable amen the mind cannot grasp the unfathomable he's just beyond description and comprehension but the great thing about him is that he still sees fit to have a, a relationship with each one of us on a daily basis that's just so, <laughs> so wondrous. It's so awesome. So God, Moses makes a request. God, show me your glory. And, and God's basically like, like, dude, you really, <laughs> you can't see my glory and live. You know, he, Isaiah saw in a vision. Moses having an actual conversation with God up in the mountain. He's like, man, you, you know what you're asking for. <laughs> in other words. It's an honorable request. I know you want to see me in my glory at its fullest, but you just quite cannot handle it. You, you, you can't handle it. They come up here. If you gave me, I gave you a smidgen of it. They probably have to come up in the mountain. They see you like babbling. Like his mind is ruined for the rest of his life because of what he saw. Amen. That's how glorious God is. But the great thing about him though, is that we can come to God and say, show me this or show me that. And God has the wisdom to say, okay, I'll show you what you can handle in this time and season. You ever have times where, you know, God will show you stuff, and do you realize later on, as you look back over life, that, wow, he showed me this here. And then later on, he showed me that. And I know, when I think about it, I asked for this back then. But now I see, I wasn't ready for that yet. I wasn't ready. (laughs) And that's just revelation to God. Imagine his glory so many things that God has to reveal to his children so the great thing about is that God knows what we can handle he knows where each one of us is and quite frankly even as individuals he probably knows what we specifically are ready to handle in terms of everything that he reveals to us whether it's something from a passage of scripture whether it's a dream a vision um Just showing us something, insight, a revelation, a purpose, 
something to be achieved, something that is coming against us. God knows exactly what we can handle, and he reveals those things unto us. However, there, there is another way in which God also reveals his glory that I think sometimes we take, well, I don't, I don't want to say we take it for granted, but I don't think we know, sometimes look at it as much as the glory of God being revealed. Hebrews 1, 1 through 4, says, God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high, being made so much better than the angels, if he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. So isn't that a blessing? God knows we cannot handle his full glory. Amen? We're probably going to handle a minute, finite part of it or aspect of it. But even though it's incomprehensible, he still enables us to, to gain access to him via his son. And look how he's described, the brightness of his glory. Amen? And the express image of his person. You want to see me? See me through Jesus. Jesus is basically the glory of God. I hate to use the word package. So reveal to us in a manner in which we can relate. Amen. Because as we saw in Isaiah, he was getting a glimpse of God. He's like, I'm undone. I'm dying here. <laughs> I'm losing my mind. I'm going blind. I can't move. Jesus is so much more personable to us. Amen. The revelation, the interactions, the fact that he came and clothed himself in humanity, walked a sinless life, humbled himself even to death of the cross. See, we can relate to that. Amen. And because of that, God has given us the capability that through him um, we can have the access. He came not only to redeem us, and you know, we see that all the time, but also he gave us a more presentable way of which we can interact with God and speak to him and also relate to his glory that is being revealed to us. Amen. Word of God talks about us basically being changed more and more in his likeness. And we go through transitions from glory to glory. Amen. Taking on more and more of the character and the conduct and the perceptions of Jesus Christ. We're going through a transformation process. And I think actually as we go through that transformation process, you'll find that some of the things, as I said before, God can reveal to you now, whether it's mysteries or just revelation in general. Some of the things that he can speak to us now, he can do only because we've transformed and transitioned from where we were to where we are spiritually right now. You know, as a babe in Christ, he can, things are so much easier <laughs> in terms of getting prayer requests and answers. Things are more simplistic. You pray, it's done. Like, whoa, that's easy. Why did I get saved so much? I said, got saved 10 years ago. Was, man, I was praying <laughs> pray to get a new car. There it is. Pray for a new job. There it is. Wow. I'm liking this stuff. Then you start getting more mature in the Lord. You pray, God, I want a new car. Three years later. <laughs> and God's like, well, I blessed you before. But you didn't manage your money right now. You're going to have to go through the process of learning to budget, more commitments, more dedication on your part, more being a good steward and learning certain things, and then I'll bless you with the car. And it's the same thing with the insight he gives us, amen? Um, sometimes we have to really press in to get insight as to various things we want God to speak in our life. He's not going to just throw it out to us so quickly. Now, you're going to have to work for this, in other words. <laughs> amen? Praise the Lord. But he makes it available to us regardless. Uh, Romans 11, 33 through 36 says, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments, and his ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, or who hath been his counselor, or who hath first given to him, and it shall be recompensed unto him again. For of him, and through him, and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. Now look at that. I mean, 
how can you ever say that I've reached God or I've achieved God or I know God? I mean, we know certain things about God, but we're in an ever, I, I can tell people I'm a perpetual, lifelong student. We're always on a journey, amen, to gain more insight into God. And the thing is, the more you know, sometimes the more you realize that you are yet to know. <laughs> you ever feel that way? Like, you study something, and you're like, man, whew, I got great insight from this passage of Scripture. I never thought of that before. Then you come back a couple years later, and like, how in the world did I miss that? Do you know how much I broke that thing down? I went word by word in my thesaurus, and I went over to Strong's Concordance. I broke it down. Blah, blah, blah. I totally missed that. <laughs> I remember a time, um, it was years ago, when we first were at, at the Fortnite years ago. I did a, I did a um, basically a sermon on the word when. It was about the timing of God. And I was like, I read that passage of Scripture probably a thousand times. I read it this one time, and it's just like, when this happened, I was like, oh, shoot. That when? That when was just like Hollywood sign, <laughs> glowing. Like, I missed it. <laughs> like, God is so deep that he could take a word and it can revolutionize your life. Amen? And that's the thing. It's like certain times and seasons, things will speak to you more. Or maybe somebody says something and it triggers something. I remember a time I was at, uh, we had a daily Bible study over at Independence Blue Cross in Philly. And we had a guy that was a baby in Christ. He asked a question. He asked a question. Everybody in the room, stop. And he's like, did I say something wrong? I'm like, no, dude, that was deep. So we're just like, wow, we got to think about that. Ask that question again. <laughs> he was a baby in Christ. Literally had just got converted. And the way he asked that question, it was just so simplistic and innocent, but it was just like, Dude, that was deep. And we had to sit there the rest of the class, like, think about that and breaking it down. We came back to the next, I don't know what the question was, but it was just like, and they say, out of the mouth of babes. It was just something that triggered something in the rest of that lesson, and we actually followed up the next time. Um, but it just shows you that if you're open to stuff, as we see here, oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. They truly are. As soon as you think, I know God, you've crippled yourself. Amen? You should say, I'm on a, on a quest for God. I'm still trying to reach greater depths than God. I'm a student of God. I'm learning more and more about God. But never say, I've arrived and I've got him figured out. Because you think you got him figured out, he'll throw a curveball at you. You're like, whoa, where in the world did that come from? Because I don't got to broke it down. I don't study God, and I know this is God's modus operandi, and if you're dealing with this type of situation, this is how God moves. Step one, God does this, and then he moves to step two, and then step three does this. And on step four, you know, well, there's only two angles of step four. God's either going to do this or he's going to go this approach. That's God. God will come in there, he'll throw that all out and bring in something you never saw before just to blow your mind and show you that, no, I'm not going to be confined to a box to your doctrine, to your 12-step, 10-step, 5-step program. I am God, and my ways are past finding out. You can't figure it out. Amen? <laughs> it's like that parlor song. <laughs> so low, you can't get under it. So high, you can't get over it. That's God, man. <laughs> He's so high, you can't get up. <laughs> He's so <laughs> You can't. We had the blessing just to be able to engage on the journey. Yeah. Don't ever get so cocky or arrogant to think that you've arrived. Paul basically talked about, I've, I count myself not to apprehend it. He's basically the equivalent. First of all, he was on, you talk about a, a, a biblical study program. God put him in a trance and <laughs> he's taught firsthand. <laughs> You think that <laughs> most people are getting that type of thing, get personal instruction? And he says, like, I, have, I don't count myself to apprehend it. I'm still pressing toward the mark, but no, I have not apprehended God. I'm still, I'm still chasing him, but I haven't apprehended him. So we should feel the same way. Amen? As much as we learn of God, as much as we ask for God, there's still so much more that we are yet to learn. 
Now, one of the things that God talked about when Moses said, show me my, my glory, he said, well, I can't, you know, I can't do that, son, because if I do that, he said, no man can see my face and live. He says, so I'll tell you what, there's a place by me where I'm going to let you get a, a glimpse. And, you know, that's one of the things we didn't know, too. We want to see God move. We want to see God's glory in our lives. There's a place, amen, where it's safe for us to see the glory of God at the level that he allows us to see it. And one of the things he told us in our text scripture, there's a place by me where this occurs. And he says, that place is the place where I will have you stand upon a rock, and then I will put you in a cliff by that rock. Amen? So in other words, we know that that rock is the rock that is Jesus Christ. That's the place where you see the glory of God. And you can try to go out and do things on your intellect and your ego and say, I want to see God's glory. You ain't going to see a bit of glory. Amen? And you say, well, I think all roads, you know, can reveal the glory of God to me. And God says, uh-uh-uh. The only way you're going to see my glory, there's a place where you can intersect with my glory and see it revealed in your life in a manner in which you can see it, whether it's in your spirit man or tangibly. There's a place. But that place is upon the rock of Jesus or within the security of that cleft within Jesus that I place you in. That's the place where you're going to see my glory. And sometimes people try to gain glory or see glory in other things. Well, if I do it this way or I pursue this or that, I'm going to see glory. You're going to see man's glory, maybe, but you ain't going to see God's. God said he's not going to let anybody boast, you know. He's not going to let anybody boast unless they boast in him. Amen. Hallelujah. So if you want to see the glory of God, you got to get to the, otherwise you got to navigate to the right place. You can't define, well, well, if I do this or I do that, or if I say this, well, I, I'm going to see some glory in this. Like I said, you might see man's glory. But you see, a lot of times man's glory will turn into man's misery as they take you down at the first mistake you do. So you want to see a glory that sustains and resonates and stays with you and can transform your life and stay with you. Amen? And also affect the lives of others. There's only one place where you can see that glory of God. And it's through Jesus. Romans 8, 31 through 34. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Amen? So that's the place. And where is the place? As we see here, the place is at the right hand of God where Jesus ever makes intercession for us. God says, no man can see me and live. So let's say, hey, you got... This is God. This is Jesus. You try to come straight in here. Whew. I can't. Oh, I'm undone. Oh, I'm going blind. Come here to the right hand of God. Oh, I see things clearly. I can feel God's glory. Oh, I feel his love. Oh, my goodness. It's overwhelming. But still in a manner that whew, I'm not destroyed. I'm not devastated. Remember when we were kids? And he would tell us that there was an eclipse coming up. And we used to get cardboard or something like that or a piece of paper. And they used to tell you, don't look straight at the, don't look at the straight eclipse. You guys should burn your retinas and, and go blind. So what you would do is, I can't look directly at the sun. I'll look at the reflection on this paper. I can handle that. Same thing here. I can't look totally at the brightness of his glory. But I can look through here. This I can handle. <laughs> Amen. Make sense? Hallelujah. You can't handle the full brightness of his glory. Not in this temporal form. There will be a day when we're glorified and we're turned into immortal beings. We're transformed. Amen. Where we'll be able to be in the presence of God. But right now in this human form, you can't handle it. But you can handle it through his son, which is sitting at his right hand. And here's the thing. We could be worried. Well, you know, I was struggling with this or I was angry about that or I'm bitter about this. Or, I just can't let this go yet. 
how can I go in and, and experience the glory of God? We see here, Jesus says, I got you. I'm making intercession for you. God, I know they're not totally right yet, but Lord, we've been talking. They know that they got to deal with this. You know, that unforgiveness is not totally out yet, Lord, but allow them in. Don't keep them out. Allow them in because they are, I'm dealing with their hearts. They're not ready yet. It's not totally purged. It's a work in progress yet, but Lord, hallelujah, let them in, you know, based upon my sacrifice and me working on them through the Holy Spirit, let them in to feel your glory and see things. And like I said, to get some revelation, insight, and some mysteries that they would not otherwise deserve. Jesus is at the right hand of God making intercession for us. So like I said, Jesus is there at that place, and we can meet him at that place to commune with God and have his glory revealed. And it's through Jesus, that's the next point, that God filters his glory and blessings into our lives. Hebrews 10, 19, 25 says, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil that is to say his flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promise. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So as I said, we try to go in straight to God like no man can see my face and live. But we have Jesus, amen, who is that rock that filters the glory to a level that we can comprehend and sustain and, and actually enjoy and see manifest in our lives. And here we see here that we don't have to be afraid. You know, Isaiah had a fearful moment. Whoa, I'm undone. You're destroying me. I'm going mad. I'm going blind. We see here. We can have boldness, like, I'm going to see God and Jesus in the Holy Spirit. Whew, I'm about to have an audience in the throne room. It says here, boldness to enter in to the holiest by the blood of Jesus. We go on through the blood of Jesus. And that's the thing which prevents us from being judged and condemned and destroyed because of the sin that is blotting us. Instead, the blood of Jesus covers us. It saturates us so that we go in to the throne room. Amen. And, and our spirit, man, we go into the throne room, seated in heavenly places with Jesus Christ. It is the blood that saturates us. And we might have had an attitude or sin, but God sees the blood saturated us and says, okay, I can have a conversation with you. Because you came here with sin on you. What well, would be like the priest in the Old Testament? We had to pull you out with a rope. <laughs> Amen. But it's the blood of Jesus. And I, one of the illustrations I gave before, like, yeah, that's kind of good. Isn't that kind of gory going in with blood covering us? But it's the blood of Jesus. It's a good thing. But it's like the scripture I gave before, you got a dirty car, which is representative of your sin. And you go to a car wash. And when you first go in, that car has got mud on it. It's got salt from the road. It goes in. And then when you start getting around towards the, as it starts going, it gets starts to get water on it, and then it gets that cycle where it starts spraying out the suds, and it gets on the hood, and it gets on it, and finally it gets around to the middle of the car wash, and that thing is totally covered in suds. And quite frankly, for the most part, you just see like the white suds. You don't even see the color of the car at the better car washes. And then when it comes down to the other scene, other side after the, the, after the brushes and the suds, and then the water have cleaned off all that residue, that gunk, that dirt, in our case, like that sin, it comes out on the other side, sparkling and looking like it's fresh and new. That's what Jesus Christ does for us, amen. We enter in the holiness, and there might be stuff that's on us that we're still dealing with and struggling with, but thank God through the blood of Jesus, amen, we can enter in and get to the other side, and God sees us clean through the blood of his son and capable of being able to interact with God. So God filters out that, that mess, that's in us, amen? And he enables us to be able to see the glory of God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You can write this down for later. Acts 17, 24 through 28. Basically talks about us um, having our habitation 
and seeking after the Lord. And it says that in him we live and move and have our being. So you can write that down for later. And one of the last things it, it talks about, or is in there, really it talks about my goodness shall pass before you. When I put you in that cleft, standing on a rock and in the cleft of that rock, God says, you know, if you were just to stay right here and I approach you, it would be too much for you to sustain. So I'll put you in a safe place where the rock preserves you and I'll let all my goodness pass before you. And then he says, I'll proclaim my name, the name of the Lord before me. And then he said, you'll see my back parts. And that's one of the things I had to ask us as we get ready to close out. As we navigate through life, are you aware that you're traversing a road where the goodness of God is already traversed? You're not going on any roads. Even if you're dealing with some trials and tribulations here and there, because you are standing on a rock, the foundation of Jesus, and because we are sealed by the Holy Ghost, and we basically live a life in which we're in the cleft of the rock. Amen? Do you realize that no matter what we face, and like I said, I know there's going to be some rough times and some hard times, but no matter what we face, do you realize that the goodness of God has already preceded you? And he says, not only has my goodness preceded you, but he says, also I proclaim my name before you. I've laid the trail of the, um, through my son the word, the word of God. I've also already spoken what I'm going to bring forth into your life. In the book of Isaiah, he says, you know, after it says that my thoughts are my thoughts, uh, my, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts, my ways are higher than your ways. He also says, my words shall now turn, return void, but it will prosper wherein to I send it. Wherever God tells you to go, he's already let his goodness go there, and he's also spoken his plan and purpose for your life. And if his word never returns void, all we got to look at is like, well, first of all, I'm insulated. I'm standing on a rock. I'm inside the cleft of that rock. <laughs> now I'm going down the trail where God's goodness and mercy and divine favor and grace have already preceded me. And wow, he's spoken his will over this path too. How can I not but walk in victory at the end of this regardless of what I face? Amen? I'm on a path that the good of goodness of God and the word of God has already basically laid out. We hate it when we had to ride on a bumpy, crackety, rocky, you know, pothole-driven road. Like, to this day, I do not like, I like the area visually, but I can't stand driving on that cobblestone area down under the river. Because you drive around, it's just like, like, ah, oh, this is so beautiful, but annoying. <laughs> it's beautiful to walk. It's very annoying to drive. Like, man, <laughs> it's just misery, it's misery on your shocks and your tires. So it's so much more pleasant, and especially if you're not on a place that is least scenic. You know, you drive down the road, there's a couple places on Cooper Road and 561. There's a couple spots where there's some potholes I want to avoid because I don't want to buy a $300 tire or 200 whatever it is. Amen? So um, it's so much more pleasant when the road has been paved and smoothly laid out so you can have a nice, smooth journey. And thank God, you know, we might hit a couple bumps, potholes here and there. But for the most part, God has already let his goodness and his word, his promises, and his plan pave every road that we have to navigate in life. Gregory of Nazianzus said that these are the back parts of God, amen, which he leaves behind him as tokens of himself like the shadows and reflection of the sun in the water, which shows the sun to our weak eyes, because we cannot look at the sun itself, for by his unmixed light he is too strong for our powers of, of perception. Amen. We cannot fully receive him, but we can relate to him and enjoy him and treasure him and adore him through the power of perception in the manner in which he reveals himself. Last one we'll look at today, Psalm 34, 4 through 10. It really goes back to what Moses did to get to the place where he was positioned to see the glimpse of the glory of God that he saw through his back parts. Psalm 34, 4 through 10. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked unto him and were lightened and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him 
and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusted in him. O fear the Lord, ye saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good things. Amen. So realize, once again, no matter what you're going through, even if it's a time of difficulty, your entire life, similar to Moses, we're friends of God too. You know, we're still striving to get to the place where we can, you know, go through that type of experience like Moses did, where God is continually talking to you one-on-one, amen? But the one thing we need to understand too, though, is that God, you know, through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, he was on a, a physical place. We were on that spiritual place with the rock of Christ being our salvation as well as um, the one who has sealed us for redemption and hid us away from the attacks of the enemy. And also the blood of Jesus has saturated and covered us and marked us so that the wrath of God does not get poured out upon us. And because of that, everywhere we go, amen, you know, we may only be receiving the back parts of God, but thank God that's more than enough to sustain us, to fortify us. My question for us today is, as we're seeing even the filtered uh, glory of God being real, revealed in our lives, do we, first of all, do we discern it? Do we appreciate it? And do we thank God for it? Are we sitting there asking him for something that we're not ready for yet or we don't even really deserve? Can we appreciate God in the ways in which he's revealing himself and his glory to us. Amen. Hallelujah. And that also, can we continue to seek him as, as Moses did, not getting comfortable, not thinking that we've arrived, but instead seek him so that we will make sure that whenever there's an opportunity for more glory to be revealed in our lives, that we're properly positioned for that door to remain open or that window to still be ajar when we get there. Amen for that time of a divine assignment. Let's praise the Lord and, and give him a hand cut. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.